is it? I remember years ago we were, um, I'd sit by Phil a lot in our prayer meetings at Big Valley before the services. And uh, I thought, man, I'd like to hear this guy preach because he's a good talker. And so I snuck over to the youth in the, in the ark, whatever they call it at the time, and he was taking the youth through the book of Colossians, and he is good. So you guys are blessed, really. We lost one of our best speakers ever. Great communicator of the word and lousy beard. <laughs> in fact, this doesn't sound very good, but I came in here and I kind of did a judgment. There's 18 beards here. And the winner today is going to go to Dustin. Whoa. Dustin, you look good. Bless his price. Uh, I, uh, give him an honorarium, 100 bucks, something like that. <laughs> and last place would be uh, the Apostle James back there. It's you, Phil. And I was going to have Matt first, but Anna would probably uh, make fun of him, so. Yeah. Well, it's good to be here. My name is Gordon Rumble. Um, my wife, Heidi, would have liked to come, but she teaches the spatial needs at Big Valley, and they're having their Christmas um, pageant or whatever it is. They all dress up, and they have a great time, and so she couldn't be here today. But So we're going to be looking in the Word of God. We need a, a light for our darkness. Um, light has always been the metaphor for the Christmas season. The minute Thanksgiving is over, what happens? You just see lights going up everywhere, don't you? And it's always been the metaphor because light chases away darkness, and that's what Christ did when he came. He chased away the darkness. And if I'd ask you this morning, what kind of feelings do you have when you think about darkness? Everybody would probably answer that difference, but if you were somewhere that was completely dark, what kind of feelings would you have? Lonely and afraid. I remember spelunking at the bottom of Moaning Cave years ago, and we got into the pancake room, 400 feet below the, the spiral staircase, and there the guide told us to turn our headlamps off, and I'll never forget, I got claustrophobia. And I was laying there in the pancake room with the light off, and it was dark. You couldn't see anything. Foreboding. Scary. And then you hear the water dripping. And has there ever been a time in your life where you lived in a dark time? We've all experienced those. Doesn't seem like there's any light at all. I remember when I was a young boy, the light went out in the community, the electricity, and for two days, we lived by candlelight. The first couple hours, it was fun. Then you realize things don't work. <clears throat> now, that's back before the days of computers and all that, but when you can't get the oven on and then the floor heaters don't work, it was different. I remember when all of a sudden, all the lights came on, and it was really relieving, really amazing. But why lights at the Christmas season? Some would say it's because the shepherds. The Bible says that the heavens shone brightly, depending on what version you read out of. 
And the shepherds were scared of that bright light, the angel coming. Some say it was because of the wise men coming, the magi, and they followed the bright light of the star. But I would suggest this morning the reason for the light at Christmas is in the text, Isaiah chapter 9. If you want to look at that again, we'll probably pull up our chairs and just camp around those two verses. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond Jordan, to the Galilee of the nations. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in deep darkness on them has a light shone. Zechariah in Luke chapter 1 talks about this light when he says, He came to give light to those who sat in darkness. Simeon talks about that in, in the Gospels where he says, He was a light that came to the Gentiles. John 1.9, John talks about the light. He says, He is the true light that gives light to everyone. And in fact, Matthew chapter 4 is a prophetic statement there where he says in verse 14, the people dwelling in darkness, they have seen a great light. So think about this deep darkness in the land of Naphtali and Zebulun. The Bible says in Matthew 4 and 13, he went to live in Capernaum, it was the Galilee of the nations. And if you look at this, <clears throat> Naphtali, Zebulun, was up here at the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, and east over there was being Manasseh and then Gad. But this was a very dark place. When the Assyrians came down, they came to this road route right through here, and they destroyed everything in their path, and the heathens settled and mingled with the Israelites in the land of Naphtali and Zebulun, and it was dark and gloomy, evil. And even though G Jesus was born down here in Bethlehem, he was raised in Nazareth, and at Capernaum is where he set up his three-year ministry. And it's in that dark place on the planet where Tilgath, uh, I think his name was Pilnezer, he came through and they mingled with the Israelites and they became a very dark and evil people. And right there in that land is where the light of the world, Jesus Christ, came. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 and 8, once you were in darkness, and now you have seen the light of the Lord. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think there's darkness around us where we live today? We are living in the last days. And there is a dark 
foreboding, pervasive presence everywhere we look. It's in every community. It's in every city. It's in every nation. We have seen our nation going south biblically, turning their backs on God. Darkness is everywhere. Lying, killing, cheating, stealing. You know, the, you know where the most dangerous place in America is to be right now? In the family home. That's a shame. That's a shame. More than riots and wars and coups and coup d'etats, the dangerous place to be is an American family home. That shows where we're at. Darkness. Then I think about this new fad that's coming out in Christianity. It's called the destruction of Christianity. It's an attempt to destroy the Christian faith. And it's not really a deconstruction of Christianity. It's really a, an attempt to demolish the Word of God. No trinity. Everything they can do to conveniently move away from the position of sexuality and genders and all of these things. No more hell. No more repentance. That's in the Christian faith now. And then I thought, instead of looking around and judging everybody else, ask yourself the question, is there the capacity to have darkness within me? Yeah. It really is. I'm a born-again, born-again, blood-bought saint. But folks, in the flesh... I have the capacity to be very dark at times. The Bible says in Jeremiah, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful. It is a puzzle that no one can figure out. And even though we came in Ephesians chapter 2, we were dead, doomed, depraved, and damned. We're now born again. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We're changed, but there's times we yield to the flesh again. And it's a dark picture. I can be here on McHenry Avenue at a stoplight and I can explode when some old man in front of me doesn't get out of the way in time. And I'll slam the steering wheel and I'll mutter nice things. <laughs> but I thought if anybody is sitting around me and looks in the window at this guy, that's not the light of the world. And then I've catch myself lying by exaggeration. Have you ever done that? I'll come home and tell my wife, Heidi, I was stuck in the traffic for hours. And it's three minutes. And we can do that all the time. And when we do that, it's just twisting things. It's not right. It's not true. And we can do the same thing with the Word of God. We can twist scriptures today to suit our flesh. That's what happened with the NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation or Revival. It is a diabolical movement just like that deconstruction of Christianity. You can be your own apostle now. And everything that you get out of the Word of God, you can have your own revelation. That's not the truth. 
And they are taking mysticism over the doctrine of the Word of God, and there's no more Trinity. The Bible says, no, 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 we have seen a great light. So I've got the question today. How can light help when we're living in a world of darkness? Number one, light can show us the way. And you ratchet that down to you, me, you can show the way. Light can show the way. John 8 and 12 says, I am the light of the world. So if you follow me, you will not be stumbling around in darkness. When the light of God's word shines out, you're not going to stumble around because the living Lord is working in your life. Look what he says in Psalm 119, 105. A light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. That means that the living word and the written word is synonymous. We should have just as much respect for this Bible as we would if Christ would stand here in our presence right now. He is the living word. This is the written word. He says that in John. The Bible says in Jeremiah and Hebrews, it is alive and it is spiritual and it will show you the way. You ever stumble in the darkness? You ever been in the forest and all you've got is a flashlight and all of a sudden it goes out? Uh, you hit rocks. You stumble over branches. But the minute the light's on, everything changes. If you remember three years ago, there's the headlines down in Thailand, Thailand, Thailand. In Thailand, there was, I believe, 12 young men went with their soccer coach to go down into a deep cavern. And they climbed and climbed and went way down, and all of a sudden, some water come rushing in, unexpected. They had to climb up into a different way, but when they climbed up into a different cavern, they were trapped. They had six flashlights. They all lasted for three days. Two weeks, 12 boys in a coach. They figured they were dead. It was dark. You turn the lights off in a cave, it's dark. And even though they had some water for two weeks, they were in that cave. And finally, some divers came and rescued them. And I think that one of the boys says, we saw a great light. And all it was is just a little flashlight coming towards them. A light can show you the way. You see, in the wilderness wandering, these stubborn, stiff-necked people, they had the Shekinah glory in the tabernacle wherever they went for 40 years. Later on, this same Shekinah glory went into the temple. Then all of a sudden, these stiff-necked people says, no, we're going to do things our way. And so this darkness began to pervade into the minds and the hearts of the people of Israel. And the Bible says, the glory of the Lord departed. Ichabod. Ichabod. In Ezekiel chapter 10, that glory departed. Isn't that interesting how the Bible says 
Where did my water go? Is it in the drawer? Oh, Bruce, you took my water. I wasn't going to hide it from you. Oh, it's all right. Is it? It's open. Did you? No, I didn't bring oh. it. Have a good day. Thanks. Oh, that's good. That's all right, Bruce. Thank you. <laughs> the Bible says in John 3 and 19 that men love what? They love darkness rather than light. And number two, light can reveal the truth. And then ratchet that down again. You and I can reveal the truth. You and I have the opportunity to take light where it's dark and you can reveal the truth. That's what he's saying here, John 1 and 18. No one has ever seen God, but God, the only Son, is, my, is very close to his Father and he has shown us what God is like. The more you share Christ with people, they're going to see God the Father. You see Jesus with the little children in the scripture? You see God. You see Jesus spending time with sinners? You see God. You see Jesus hanging on the cross, dying for your sins? You see God. And everywhere you look in the word of God, Jesus came to reveal the Father. And when you see him, you see the Father. And he is the living word. And when we reveal him, we are revealing truth to others. You know what revealed truth does? It always puts Christ in the front. We all have dreams and desires and things that we like to do and talk about, think about. But when revealed truth comes into our heart and we have complete submissive obedience to the righteousness of his word, our stuff goes on the back burner. And revealed truth stays in front. Did you know that revealed truth enables you and I to take up our cross daily? Revealed truth enables me to die daily. Not once a week on Sundays, but revealed truth in my life enables me to die daily to the things of the flesh. Paul says, I die daily. That's how important it is for our life. It's not a weekly or monthly thing. It's a daily thing. Christianity is daily. And the revealed truth makes such a difference. And that is why we take this Bible and we read it through. Mark that down, by the way. You read it through. And that is why we take this Bible and we Pray it in. You ever prayed the Bible in? Don't ever tell me that you can't pray. All you've got to do is open the Word of God and start reading it and then pray. For example, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Lord, you are my shepherd. There's a lot of things I want, but whatever. You can just start praying the Scripture and you pray it in. Not only that, you can take this Word of God and you can write it down. You ever written the Bible down? 
Bruce back here is writing the Bible. Write it down. None of that, you can take this revealed truth and you can work it out and pass it on. It's alive and you can share it. One of the most exciting things in my life, it's not on Sundays, it's during the week where you can take something and you can share it with someone else. I love going to Bible studies with smart young men like Matt right here. He keeps us on the right track. I'm with Bruce in a Bible study. It's taking the revealed truth and sharing it. Iron, sharpening iron, iron, and you work and live together. It's the revealed truth. Number three, light can give life. And I have no clue. I, I think that's fireflies in there. I hope it is. What do you guys think that is? I don't know what that is. But it looked nice, so I thought I'll use it. Let's call it fireflies. <clears throat> but life can give life. Listen to John 8 and 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. Now, you just take the sun, for instance. Everything you see out there that's growing, that has a leaf on it, is the sun. Light gives life. You don't have a plant. You don't have a weed. You don't have anything without sunlight. Animals, take the light away from an animal, and in time they will die. You take a light away from any one of us, and we're going to die. We need light. Light brings life. So let's think about that as we think about us. Light brings life. If I would ask you, how much do you read the Word of God? And you don't have to tell me. But if there's anybody in here that you only read the Word of God once a week when you come to this church, as kind as I'm going to say it, shame on you. I'm going to tell you what you look like on the inside. Because the Bible's very clear in Ephesians. We feed the inner man day by day. We are renewed day by day. And if I am not taking the word of God that brings life to my life, then I'm like laying on a hospital bed with a bunch of transfusions in me, and I'm weak and pathetic. There's no life, much life there. Some people say, I don't read. I just maybe read once a month. You can't do that. In fact, I'd question after a while if you have salvation. Because the Holy Spirit is very good at what he does. And he will prompt you, if you're a born-again believer, to get into the Word of God because he knows that is where life comes from. The Bible says, you don't want to lose heart, you feed the inner man. And sometimes when this world is walking around in darkness and gloom, there's a lot of believers today that have walked away from the Word of God, and they don't have a systematic intake of the Word of God, and you see it in their lives. You've got to feed the inner man. Number four, light can heal. 
John 8 and 12 again, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me should never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light dispels the darkness of a human soul. Think back when you were born again. I remember I was on the top of the Altamont Pass. I was on a watermelon load with my dad. And all of a sudden, the Lord just somehow banged me over the head. I was 17 years old. I sat up and said, Dad, I want Jesus. I was so excited. He put his foot down. We went down the Altamont Pass probably 100 miles an hour. He was excited. I was excited. I couldn't wait to get home and share it with everybody. And that next Sunday, 32 of us got baptized together. Bruce was one of them. That was a fun day. And you talk about bringing healing and change into our life. The word of God, the light of Christ brings healing. I'm going to give you a new word. It's a big word. Photophobia. Photophobia. Photophobia is when the retina of your eye cannot handle anything bright. I had a cousin, she had to wear dark welding helmet glasses all the time because of the pain of light. And even though they had some medication and stuff for her, nothing could hardly do it except for maybe surgery. But photophobia is when you can't handle light. Did you know I went down to the the uh, library, I went through all these books. You know what the original antidote to heal photophobia is? You put a person out in the sunlight on a chair, put two or three towels around them with water. One by one, you take them off. And there's more light each day, more light, because... The light is what changed the retina and brought healing. I've always wondered why it says that they blindfolded Jesus there before he got crucified. And I wonder it's because he could not handle the light from his eyes. You see, when men have photophobic hearts, they're going to do everything they can to stay away from the bright light of the gaze of Christ. And they blindfolded him. Photophobic hearts. Jesus says, I have come as a light to shine in a dark world. So that tells me that anybody who puts their faith and trust in the light of the world, they no longer have to live or wander in darkness, and there's healing that comes in. I used to be scared to death of the dark. You were too, buddy. I was scared. And I think it is, we lived on a farm, and, and uh, man, there's, during the foggy times of the year, my brother Aaron and I, we were five or six years old, my dad and mom would let us go out in the orchard, and, and it'd get foggy, and we couldn't find our way back, and oh man, I was scared. There was bears everywhere, there was the mountain lions. <laughs> but I remember, when I was a little boy, I would scream, and my mom would come and pick me up in my bedroom out of the, one of the bunk beds and pick me up, take her out in the living room, 
turn a lamp on, rock me to sleep and sing. And I remember as a little boy, just that bright lamp and there my mom singing. And the next thing I knew, I woke up to light again because it was day. Light heals. So when we follow him, we reflect the darkness and it flees. Number five, I don't think Phil, when he saw this, liked this one. Why, Phil? How'd you know what it was, by the way? Okay, anyway, my point is light, light is impartial and is pure. You can take a flashlight and you can shine it on cocaine and that light doesn't change. It remains pure. You can get real close with the light, with a big light, and you can shine it on cocaine and all kind of drugs or whatever. The light remains pure. It doesn't change. Jesus, the light of the world, hung around prostitutes, drugs, sinners, addicts, whatever, and he never changed. You don't have to change. We don't have to change. The light remains pure. And when we have the light of the word in our life, we can do the same thing. I can live in a sin-cursed world and I don't have to ever sin. It's called resisting the devil. I remember my grandfather telling me a sentence like this. I've never forgot it. He says, Gordon, you want to resist the devil? Then you need to have complete submissive obedience to the righteousness of God as revealed in his son, Jesus Christ. I'll say it again. Complete Submissive obedience to the righteousness of God as revealed in his son, Jesus Christ. And every time we do that, we just draw closer to the Lord. The Bible says we are to what? Resist the devil. And then what does the Bible say? He will flee. I call that running to the roar. We have the word of God. Every time Jesus was attacked by Satan, he just spoke the word. You keep the word of God in you, you come into a temptation, you quote the scripture. You run to the roar and you resist him. The Bible says, draw close to the Lord. And the closer you are to him the farther you are from the devil. Purify your hearts. In other words, don't harbor sin. The Bible says in Isaiah 5 and 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light. Do we see that anywhere today? Do we see that in the political realm today? Do we see it in our newspapers? We see it everywhere. It's right there. And he's simply saying, light can remain pure and we are to be different. How different are we? He says, 
I've set you as a light on a hill, not to be hid. We're to be different in our homes. We're to be different in our communities. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's the great news of Christmas. We have seen a great light to remind us that we are to be different. We have Christ. And I have to ask myself sometimes, <clears throat> what am I doing as a light that makes the difference from my neighbors to those that live around me? We're not called to be like searchlights to go up to everybody we see and telling them to shape up or ship out. That's not what he's saying to do. He's saying with the love and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ, you shine as a light to others. My throat is tickling. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. I like that. The good news of Christmas. We have seen a great light. Ephesians 5 and 8, at one time you were walking in darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. Hmm. I got a question. What if all the churches of Modesto, all of them, 117 Christian churches, all 117 would shut down today? and not open up again for one year. Nobody goes to the building. Nobody meets. Stay in your homes. And the question is this. Would it have any impact on this community by all the churches shutting down? Would there be any change would there be any desire for the community to want us to open up again? And the reason I say that, because in 1776, 94% of all the people went to church. Today, they claim that, and when I say churches, it includes everything of profession Christianity, and a lot of those are not, they're cults. 40% regularly go to church. I don't think there'd be much of a change. And people, I mentioned this to some people once uh, just last week, and I said, what do you think would happen? And they said, well, the problem is, is the sinners. There's so many sinners. But folks, that's not the problem. Sinners they do what they're supposed to be doing. They're sinners. They sin. The problem is we're exactly where Sodom and Gomorrah was. Why was Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed? There wasn't enough light in the city. There wasn't enough salt. <coughs> and if there had just been a few more lights... They wouldn't have been destroyed. So this is 
introspection time. What kind of a reflector are you? You're just judging yourself, not the person next to you. What kind of a reflector are you? Because we're not the light. <clears throat> we reflect him. He's the light. What kind of reflector are you? <coughs> I'm so sorry. Anybody have a Ludens? Yeah, I got something better than that. What is that? Which is a breeze drop. A what? Helps me with it. They're called breeze drops. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Tastes like Mr. T's. Ah. <laughs> oh, that's good. You have some more? No. Well, what kind of a reflector are you? <coughs> if you're a dark reflector, I'm going to tell you what you look like. You sit, you soak, and you're sour, and there's no attraction at all. And there are Christians today that have a very dark reflection. Folks, we're not here to please the idols. We're here to, hit, to glorify God and to please him. And maybe some of you are what we call partial reflectors. You compromise. You're kind of half committed to the body of Christ. Convenience is kind of your word. You're not really committed to get involved. Well, you're a partial reflector. You know what the Lord has called all of us to do? To be a full reflector, sold out to the work of the kingdom. Jesus says, Christ is the light that lights every man. Here's the problem. There is no one else to do it. There isn't. We are the light of the world. No one else. We are the light. And it's going to be either <coughs> it's going to be either Jesus or darkness. We're living in a whatever world. No, it's Jesus or darkness. No one else to take it to him but you and I. And we're the ones God has called to fix the no God mistake. We're the ones to fix that. And God has a very dynamic church here. This is not a shallow church. You get strong biblical preaching with a solid foundation. Your lights, you make a difference. And I just pray to God that we can rise and shine for our light has come to every one of us. Folks, I know, I'm one of you. I am cracked, I'm broken, I'm chipped, but I have the light. And I know what the Word of God says. And I need to live for Him in a very special way. The Bible says in Corinthians to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Forgive us, Father, for 
uh, coughing and all that. Father, we just realize that uh, you've encouraged us to walk in the light as he was in the light. And Father, that enables us to have fellowship one with another. We know that time is short. So Father, let us be bold and courageous as we wake up in the morning and we put on the full armor of God that we can walk out and make a difference in our families, in our communities, in our churches. May we be in the center of your will as we stand for you. Encourage us and nudge us to be bold in this community. Give us the courage to not sit and be comfortable, but to get up and go. In the name of Jesus, as lights of the world. It's his son's name we pray. Amen.